Good evening and welcome to another episode of the Chainergy Coffee Company podcast, the podcast that talks about everything except coffee. So tonight, uh, in the line of the Financial Management Mondays, I want to look uh, into a few financial indicators, or performance indicators, some of their pitfalls, and how you should read them. <coughs> so let's start with what is a little bit the king of income indicators, which is EBITDA. EBITDA is uh, earning before uh, interest, taxes, depreciation and amortization. So it's essentially an indicator that, <coughs> according to its proponents, allows to compare businesses' performance across different sectors, across <coughs> different jurisdictions, because it's not impacted by difference in taxation. And uh, it's a good proxy for uh, uh, cash flow, for operating cash flow, because uh, it excludes from the profit and loss <coughs> the component of depreciation and amortization, which are usually not in cash component. So depreciation and amortization, it should exclude also, according to its stricter sense, uh, extra extraordinary items or non recurring items, and it should exclude also things like impairment uh, and other indicators. This uh, margin, because it's essentially margin, is used also in the calculation of other financial indicators, especially <coughs> um, things like leverage ratios, so typically is EBITDA to net debt, which tells you how many times the EBITDA goes into net debt, which is an indication of uh, essentially ability <coughs> to uh, fulfill the financial obligations of the company. With net debt, we usually mean uh, financial debt minus cash. That's in its strictest, <coughs> in its strictest uh, definition. Now, when we talk about uh, um, EBITDA, we need to take into account something very important. EBITDA is a non-gap measure. What does it mean? There is no professional body, no standard that says what EBITDA is. And uh, along my practice, I've seen <coughs> very and very widely differing interpretation of the concept of uh, earning before uh, interest, uh, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. There are people that don't consider uh, in this extraordinary item, some people that include positive extraordinary item, but not negative extraordinary items. And essentially, <coughs> especially when the, man the finance management or the management of a company is very aggressive, you'd better bet that in that uh, uh, indicator, there is a little bit of pumping. So <coughs> whatever is as a minus sign is not in, whatever is a plus sign is in. Another issue is that uh, as a proxy of uh, uh, operating cash flow, <coughs> it's uh, relatively good because a company which is in a high tax jurisdiction actually has to pay taxes because contrary to popular belief, taxes need to be paid. It's true that uh, there can be an offset against uh, previous losses, uh, there can be calculation of the taxable income which makes so that uh, the tax charge might be negligible witness what Google and uh, some other companies do <coughs> with their tax planning. However, for most of the businesses taxes are a fact of life and taxes need to be paid. So uh, I've seen that the most uh, 
transparent business tend to put a reconciliation in their uh, management disclosure in their annual account, a reconciliation of EBITDA to net income. That's a very good and very welcome practice because it allows people to make sure that EBITDA is really something meaningful. <coughs> However, it's still a non-GAAP measure. So if you are evaluating a business, should you really use EBITDA as the basis for calculation? The answer is, it depends. If you have access to more information, I would make a rough comparison first of EBITDA to cash flow, so the, to the cash generated from the company, because this can be a good, uh, let's say, rule of thumb when there is a big difference, probably something is not quite working. Ideally, we would start to compare it with the cash generated from operating activities, because of course, uh, in the cash flow, you have uh, <coughs> cash from investing activities, cash from financing activities. So, if, for example, if you open a debt facility, a financing facility, you're going to have a huge inflow of cash, which, by the way, will need to be repaid. So, if you want to talk about what is relevant for financial analysis, <coughs> that's usually cash flow from operating activities. That's an indicator of the healthiness of, uh, of, a, business, of a business. So how do we use EBITDA mostly? We do use EBITDA in comparison, as we were saying, from net debt. Net debt is another very interesting concept because the definition of net debt, again, is not univoc, it's not straightforward, <coughs> and it can change from industry to industry. For example, in the oil industry, the concept of net debt was usually a little bit wider than in other industries because the, the definition of, of net debt is financial debt minus cash. In certain industries, this definition is a little bit wider, and I've seen in a few bond prospectuses that, uh, uh, for example, for uh, oil uh, companies to consider as uh, liquid asset also certain receivables, but more than receivables inventory. <coughs> this is very counterintuitive because in most businesses inventory is not liquid at all and the net realizable value of inventory if you would be in a situation of uh, distress is usually a fraction of a fraction of the current value of the, of the inventory. That's not so true, or at least it used to be not so true of uh, oil companies because essentially gasoline in many jurisdictions, especially in emerging markets, is better than cash, whereas cash can be affected by devaluation or can be affected by political turmoil. <coughs> gasoline and gas oil, many, in many hyperinflative economists, economists have been used for cash, in, in lieu of cash. So there was some, some truth to it. Now with the focus on reducing the consumption of fossil fuels, etc., I wouldn't be so sanguine about considering this as a good indicator. So <coughs> again, depending on why you're looking at these indicators, you might want to take a more conservative or less conservative stance. If you are reporting on the covenant of a financing facility, what is a covenant? Essentially, every time that a bank gives money to a company, we put some financial covenants on it. So, for example, the net debt to EBITDA ratio should not be above 2,5x, which means that the total net debt should not be more than 2.5 times the EBITDA for the period. In that case, most of the time, the 
concept of net debt is very <coughs> well defined in the in the documentation of the loan so in the in the loan agreement and hence it becomes reasonably easy to just comply with the with the definition and calculate your ratios like that however most of the times we calculate these ratios to assess the health the financial health of a company essentially if this ratio <coughs> goes up so debt grows in relation to EBITDA it can be two things the EBITDA is going down so there is an income problem or the debt is going up too fast and there is a, a balance sheet problem that's not necessarily a problem per se because debt might go up temporarily because for example the company is building a piece of infrastructure but in general uh, a worsening of this ratio over time might point out at liquidity problem, liquidity crunch, or an, an over-indebtedness of a company. How often should these uh, indicators be looked at? As usual, the, the answer is it depends as often as possible. A good company probably looks at this, uh, these indicators at least on a monthly or quarterly basis. An investor might want to look at them on a quarterly basis if the information is available. If the information is not available, inevitably becomes an annual <coughs> exercise. But that essentially takes a lot of the value of uh, what you call analysis by indexes out of it takes a lot of the usefulness away. So if you look, for example, this specific um, indicator. What is a good indicator? What is a bad indicator? <coughs> the answer it depends. Of course, uh, the lower the, the ratio between EBITDA and net debt, uh, the more solid uh, the company is from a financial standpoint. However, that might also negatively affect uh, the profitability of the company because bottom line, uh, the leverage effect on a profitable company increases the return on, uh, on equity. So as an equity investor, that's something that we need to, to take into account. As a bond investor, it's obviously the opposite. The lower the better period, because it means that you're more likely to <coughs> receive back the capital that you invested in the bond of the company. So your credit risk is essentially lower if the indicator tends to be one or even less. Whereas if there is a tendency in the growth of this indicator usually you might want to start to think about how <coughs> how the company is performing what is a bad indicator in my experience usually when uh, this kind of indicator goes above 2,5 3x it starts to be a potential red flag let's say yellow flag at two and a half uh, red flag above three but then again, it depends why uh, this, uh, this indicator is deteriorating. <clears throat> because an increase in debt, again, because of an investment spree, might be a good thing. An increase in debt to pay for uh, current expenses or a decrease in EBITDA, a substantial decrease in EBITDA, that's uh, a whole different matter. And however, uh, this indicator should always be looked at uh, together with the cash flow to debt and operating cash flow to debt just to make sure again that the EBITDA hasn't been inflated. So the, the basic thing when it comes to uh, 
in general indexes to assess the financial performance of a company is that indexes should be combined and should be read over time. It doesn't make sense just to calculate a bunch of indexes and on the indexes assess that the company is healthy or is not healthy. Because performance at a certain point in time might be a one-off or might be <coughs> affected by seasonality or might be affected by specific uh, contingent facts that might not repeat in the future. So uh, a, comp a good investor and a good financial analyst essentially follows a company, follows the ratios and also follows the way that the ratios are compiled possibly because also that can be a good indicator of the bias of the management. If for example there is a, a change in the way that EBITDA is computed since again EBITDA is not a, a gap measure so it's not calculated according to generally accepted accounting principles being those US GAAP or uh, IFRS so <coughs> if there are changes in the basis of calculation for the EBITDA and those changes tend to push up the level of EBITDA the question becomes quality of earnings so it becomes a question of okay why are they doing that is there, is there a problem there is it a one-off it's a consistent bias because a consistent bias usually points towards <coughs> a management that might have uh, an agenda or might have something to cover up. I don't want to sound too negative about aggressive uh, financial practices, but usually ag aggressive financial practices, if they're also coupled with, uh, let's say, a non-stellar standard of governance, are the first indicator of a company that is better to stay away from. So, and this is for uh, <coughs> the most basics of them. When it comes to other uh, uh, financial indicators, there are a bunch of uh, return indicators that are obvious, return on investment, return on equity, and return on investment can be assessed on various definitions of investment. The return can be gross uh, or net income, gross income, I mean income before taxation. Return on equity is quite straightforward. Uh, it's uh, always good to bear in mind that these ratios, are being uh, ratios, can be manipulated by management. So for example, I reduce investment and I push my return on, return on investment up. So of course, it's always good to look at ratios, but also to look at more margins like for example the structural margin which is the difference between long-term asset and long-term liabilities again if long-term assets are more than long-term liabilities is that a good or a bad thing depends because it might be that the company is financing long-term assets with short-term debt and that's a not a good thing or it might be simply that the company is not indebted so before looking at a single indicator, <coughs> I mean, we need to print on the back of our mind that a single indicator means not much at all. Indicators are to be taken together and conclusion on the financial health of the company need to be um, reached by comparing at least uh, 
a substantial group of indicators, not a substantial, but at least six, seven indicators and two mix uh, income indicators, balance sheet indicators, margins, and ratios. Uh, other ratios that might come handy. Well, another one is the quick ratio. The quick ratio is essentially um, short-term assets versus short-term liabilities. So am I financing my working capital of my clients or am I using my suppliers to finance my working capital? The first uh, and obvious conclusion would be, okay, it's good if my suppliers are financing my working capital because that means that I'm generating liquidity at the expense of my suppliers. Again, here also there is uh, two ways of, re of reading the indicator because suppliers that finance my working capital might mean that I'm a cunning manager, but it might even mean simply that I don't generate enough cash to pay my suppliers, so I'm trying to essentially squeeze my suppliers, and that's not a good indicator of the financial health of a company. Another few things at which I would look at that's more connected for companies that have a substantial derivatives activity is uh, if there is, uh, and this is not technically an index or, or a ratio or a margin, it's more uh, um, a kind of a sense check, uh, understanding the quality of earnings. In some of the biggest financial fraud that I've seen, I'm thinking about OW Bankering, but a few other trading companies had essentially the same thing, Noble was another offender in this, is unrealized gains and losses. So how much of the income is made out of paper gains? <coughs> so gains of fair value, etc., and especially how these gains are calculated, if they are derived by liquid asset on liquid market, so it's easy to understand how these uh, instruments are evaluated, or it's difficult to understand, hence you might want to be very skeptical, especially if there are more gains and losses. However, this is something probably for a more sophisticated investor or for a more sophisticated financial analyst. If you're running your own small business and you're compiling financial projections, I would advise to keep it simple. As usual, simple is better. And also to adapt the use of margins and indicators <coughs> on the specificity of your own business. If your company is a software company and it's an asset light company, then probably looking at balance sheet indicators or indicators that are partly affected by the balance sheet might not be so useful. You might still have the banks that ask for it because you know, in every bank there is <coughs> a compliance department, they have their own grids and checklist and you just need to do it because that's what they want. You need the loan, they don't need necessarily to invest. So concede loans so it's up to you you just need to live with whatever is, uh, is imposed upon you if you are uh, telling your story to an equity investor obviously <coughs> the situation is a little bit different because there really makes sense to use a group of indicators that shows the evolution that you foresee to have on your business the growth and if you can show that you have an idea where your balance sheet is going to land and where you might have potential uh, 
let's say liquidity crunch or or uh, necessity for for raising cash in the future that's uh, not something that necessarily investors see badly so don't massage your numbers too much it's also an indicator of, uh, of uh, let's say good ethical standards it's indication of someone who has a grip on what a business works especially if you have a track record that's usually a good indicator because <coughs> it means that you're not trying to bullshit the investor you're rather being prudent and being um, truthful prudence is something that is not really appreciated these days because even, even the accounting principle the move towards IFRS has essentially expelled the concept of prudence in the basis of preparation of financial statements whereas in the older let's say German and continental gap the German French gap there was a huge <coughs> focus on the prudence of financial prudence so being conservative uh, US gap and IFRS don't necessarily ask for all this prudence I believe that's a bad thing especially for finance management not necessarily for finance for financial reporting so i still advise <coughs> when you're doing your financial projection to keep prudence in mind and so set up some form of uh, like a, a dashboard you know maybe with little traffic lights where you have an immediate sense when certain key indicator is hitting is hitting the the danger zone again what are the indicators that i would advise <coughs> well return on net assets return on equity for sure but more than anything cash flow to debt ebitda to debt structural margin so long-term asset versus long-term long-term liabilities and all the liquidity ratios so the quick ratio the so-called acid test which is essentially cash versus short-term liabilities because liquidity crunch is something that should always keep you awake awake at night so liquidity ratios are good they're not sexy probably no one outside the company cares too much about them but those are the things that might really affect badly your business so that's something you might want to keep always under tight tight grip um, how do you do it well essentially you need to have uh, a cash flow forecast that is as reliable as reasonably possible other indicators that you might want to um, take in your dashboard and keep under tight control but also if you are uh, following a certain companies are working capital indicators that we introduced a little bit in the first two episodes and i'm referring to things like day of sales outstanding <coughs> days of payable outstanding and days of inventory outstanding now what do these indicators mean taken per se on a spot basis not much let's start with the day of sales outstanding this is an indicator of how many days of sales are, are uh, outstanding in the trade receivables in fact how it's calculated it's uh, calculated by dividing the receivables by sales assuming that the sales are on credit actually 
should be receivable divided by sales on credit but very often this information is not available outside of the company so if you're inside the company you better calculate it accurately if you're outside the company you're going to take as a let's say as a proxy for it the total sales <coughs> so receivables divided by sales times the days in the period so if you're in a month 30 days if you're in a quarter 90 days if you're in a year 360 365 it doesn't really change that much um, this will give you the number of days of sales that are on standing on the balance sheet and um, let's say let's say that we have a, a result of 30 that means that the one month of sales at any given time is standing on the balance sheet means that there is one month worth of cash invested on the balance sheet invested in working capital again as all the ratio we need to understand how it moves to make sure that it tells us the story if the days are increasing it means that we are financing our our uh, clients or it means that we are in a period of the season where the DSO inevitably goes up again we were talking in fashion that's a normal occurrence beginning of the season uh, DSO goes up end of the season DSO goes down also because sales go down and receivables go down because they're being cashed uh, the same reasoning is just <clears throat> if you want the opposite goes for days of payable outstanding where essentially we see that if the days of payables are increasing it means our suppliers are financing us if they're decreasing <coughs> it means uh, we're paying faster again what does it mean uh, depends i mean they need to be taken into account together with the other indicators because they might be meaning that the company is tightening a little bit its its payments and that can be either because they have decided to reduce the investment in supplier or because they're lacking cash so there is a, a cash crunch and so there is a tendency to pay <coughs> later so that might be an indicator of poor financial health uh, days of inventory outstanding in the same way increasing in days of inventory outstanding might mean build up so if let's say in march it's building up but then it's going back down in june and july it means simply that that's a seasonality if instead the only way is up and we keep on increasing inventory that's a very concerning point because that might point out at the fact that the company is not selling and again these three indicators should always be looked at together how much we're investing in receivables how much we're investing in inventory what is the ratio of receivables towards inventory <clears throat> if inventory is very long and receivables are very short that might be a good thing because it means that our receivables turn very fast but it might be a bad thing because it means that our inventory is just sitting there and not moving and if days of receivables plus days of inventory are lower than days of payables it might mean that we are clever and our suppliers are financing us but it might also mean simply that we're not selling and we're not paying which means that the financial health of the company might be affected so that's essentially a nice little overview on a few indicators that can 
help you understanding our company's performance and can help you read the past uh, the blah blah that you find in um, financial reporting and the blah blah that you find from in management disclosure as everything there isn't one <coughs> size fit all there isn't one answer this indicator at this level is good at this level is bad indicator needs to be taken to together and read together and read over time otherwise it's a meaningless exercise so the take home lesson for tonight is uh, Trust your non-gap measure with a pinch of salt, so don't trust them too much. Always be aware of what goes into the compilation of a certain indicator, namely a BIDA. Be careful about the different meaning of the same trend in an indicator. So, for example, if a BIDA to net debt is going up, might mean that the company is raising financing to grow or it might mean that BIDA is going down or it might be, be simply that debt is increasing towards the compared to the income of the company so that's not a bad good thing always be careful to look at the trends over time if a financial indicator is consistently worsening <coughs> it's a bad sign if it's cyclically worsening and empowering that might point out that seasonality in the in the business so know the business you're looking at and if the business is not seasonal but indicators are it's time to ask some question to the management and also ask some question yourself whether you want to invest in that company and always look at indicators with having in mind what is your aim if you're an equity investor uh, leverage is good if you are bond investor leverage is bad <coughs> if you are the owning owner of the business you might want to be prudent in your indicators and be on a worst case scenario kind of analysis if you are someone who is following the company with the idea of investing looking at indicators and looking at how they're compiled can also give you some hint on the moral standing and on the ethical judgment and, and on the bias of the management a very aggressive management might point out a trouble trouble ahead so thank you very much for tuning in in this other episode of the financial management mondays as usual please please feel free to reach out if you might have further questions or want more in details on uh, financial indicators i wish you all uh, a great week and uh, we will be back on monday for another uh, financial management pill